This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Hey everybody, my name is Kevin. I'm uh, one of the pastors here at Vortex. So good to have you this morning with us. We're in the middle of a series called uh, Horrible Advice. (laughs) And it's been a little tricky because every week I'm giving you horrible advice. And you don't typically come to church and expect the pastor to give you bad advice. But that's exactly what we've been doing for the last few weeks. And really I think it's been exposing some things that we need to see. And when we hear someone actually talk about it in the way of like, this is what you're doing, we identify with it and we see it and we go, wow, I can't believe I'm doing that. And this week I'm going to hit a a topic that I feel is very uh, pertinent to the week. It's uh, dissatisfaction and really kind of centers around thankfulness. We know we're in uh, this series or this season of Thanksgiving. And so uh, really uh, I I just want to kind of plug this up front. I've written a few blogs that will be published uh, starting last week and then this week on gratitude. And so if you want to check those out, uh, my blog is real simple. It's pastorkev.in. You can find all of those. And then um, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to do something that's a little unusual this week. I had uh, a little bit of m- more information that I'm going to drop on you this week. And, and so uh, I'm going to share a message on Wednesday morning um, on my Facebook page. And so if you want to tune in and look for that, it's how, it'll be how to be thankful in the middle of a fight. I really want you to, to see some things that God wants you to see with that. So today I want to get started with this question, this question, what, what's the best present that you've ever been given? What's the best present? What's the best present? And and I know that if we were to rewind, right, to like your five-year-old self, right? If we were to go back that far, your five-year-old self would answer the best present was a thing. It was some stuff, right? You can remember probably there was a moment in your childhood when you got a present that you wanted and it lit up your day. See, as parents, we see the inverse of that happen, right? Every year we, we shop for our kids. It's so intentional. We work so hard. And then we go and we buy this last minute $3 gift that we throw into the pile of gifts. And who's the favorite gift that our kids play with the most? It's the $3 gift, Right? They love that one. They, they buy all this intentionality that went into other things, but they pick up, you know, the slingshot that we bought that shoots rubber balls, and they play with that all day. But if we were to fast forward in your life a little bit more, maybe to your 16-year-old self, we were to ask you, what's the best present that you've ever been given? You would probably say something like a car. And, and if we were honest, even into our adult years, we may answer that with stuff that gets bigger, Right? The best present that I've ever received would be something that was a thing, some stuff. It's just the stuff gets bigger until we start to mature. And I think that when we start to mature, especially when we grow as a believer, we start to shift in our understanding of answering that question because our perspective of the world starts to shift. See, I think that Many of us today need to be honest about our lives because the way that we're living and the way that 
the, our lives connect with the material wealth and the things of this world, well, sometimes they're not what we want it to be. I mean, could it be that you're living as if the stuff you have is the best part of your life? Could it be that you're living as if the stuff that you have, your, your home, your car, your possessions, that, that is the best part of your life? Could it be that you're living as if you need more stuff to have a meaningful life? So I want to take you to this advice, this piece of advice that the Apostle Paul gives to young Timothy. Timothy is a pastor who grew up under his mentorship. He has now left and went out to, to pastor. And the Apostle Paul has written him several letters that are recorded in Scripture. First Timothy is one of those. And in chapter 6, the Apostle Paul gives Timothy this advice, beginning in verse 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Now, I can't see all of y'all. I can see you from the waist up. And I'm going to assume that everybody in here is wearing pants. Okay? I'm just going to assume that. All right. There might be some people that are at home right now that are in their underwear. All right. Watching live on Facebook. But I'm going to assume that everybody has clothes and I'm going to assume based on watching some of y'all as you enter today that everybody in the last 24 hours has had something to eat. And the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 6 says, if you have food, in clothing, we will be content with that. But so many of us, if we're really honest, we have food. We have clothing. We have so much that is in our life that is there to meet our needs. But we're not content. We're not content. And I think the reason that we're not content is we have taking some really bad advice. It's horrible advice that has led us to the state that we're in. See, if I were to ask you right now, what would it take for you to be satisfied? I want you to try to think about the answer to that question for yourself right now. What would it take for you to be satisfied? Your answer is invariably going to be more something. For some of you, it would be that I would get more attention from my spouse. If I could feel like my husband would pay me a little bit more attention, show me a little bit more appreciation, then I feel like I could be satisfied in life right now. Some of y'all think, well, you know what? If I just could get a little bit more honor and respect. Just a little bit more. I'm, I'm working so hard. I'm doing a good job. If, if, if they could, the people around me in my life and the people at work and, and my family, if they could just give me a little bit more honor and respect, I really feel like I would be satisfied. And for many of you, the honest answer is, if I could just have a little bit more money, I'd be satisfied. 
Gallup did this poll a, a few years ago. They went to people and, and polled nationally and just asked this question. It's very simple. How much money would you need to make to be happy? And the answers varied nationally around several kind of uh, quadrants. And one of those was how much the person was actually receiving as income. And they found that if a person was making around $30,000 a year, they said, you know, if we could make $75,000 a year, I'd be happy. And I can remember being there. Well, that's what I made. And I can remember thinking, man, if we could just, man, if we could just fast forward and get to that place where we could get some good raises in between here and there, finally get there, I'd be so happy. We'd have more money than we'd know what to do with. We'd just get to that place. And so much happens in between that point and that point, right? Over twice as much. So they went to people who were making around $50,000. How much would you need to make? And the answer was $100,000. Invariably, people unanimously said that I need to make about twice what I'm making right now to be happy. See, the answer is real simple. How much do you need to be happy? More. So Jesus tells the story in Luke chapter 12. And I'm... I hope this hits you the way that it hit me this week. I hope that this short story that Jesus tells just impacts your heart the way that it did mine. Because this is a story about every person in this room. Because it describes us and how we live culturally. He tells a story about a rich man who has a vast increase. A vast, immediate increase. Look at what he says. Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. Just think of this as the, I got a massive inheritance. I found out that I was going to get this sum of money. I got a big raise. All of a sudden, in abundance, he has no idea what to do with the amount of money that he's about to get. The amount of crops in that day in an agricultural society could, for our lives, just be equal to an abundant amount of money. All right. So look at what he says. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Isn't that what so many of us are living for? To finally get to that place where we can take life easy. I don't know if you remember back when you had graduated from high school or maybe you had went to college and you thought, man, if I could just get a good job, if I could just get a good job, I'll be able to take life easy. If I could just do that. And then you get a good job. and All of a sudden, you're like, you know what? It's kind of lonely. If I could just find the right person to get married to, if I could just find that person, then life will finally be rich and meaningful and I can take it easy. Then you get married. And you think, man, you know what? The house feels a little empty now. 
we need to have some kids. You know, if we could have some kids, then, then life would finally be rich and meaningful, and then we could take it easy. But then you have kids, and you find out that they're tiny terrorists that take so much work. They invade your home and take over your home. And before long, you're running to this place and running to this place and running to this place. And you, you think, man, if we could just get to the point where our kids could drive, just if one of them can drive and shuttle them all around, if that could just finally happen, then we will have arrived and we can finally take life easy until they start driving and you realize how daggum expensive it is. Now you have to get a second job and a second mortgage and everything else to try to afford the insurance on their cars. It's remarkable and you get to this place where I just can't wait. Maybe they'll get out of the house and go to college. Maybe they'll get out of the house and get a job. I can't wait. If they'll just get out of the house, finally we'll be able to take life easy. And so they go to college and you now have to deal with all of that payments and trying to help them navigate college and you're just like God just if they could just get out of college if they could just get out of college if I could just get this payment off if we could finally be alone and have time together we could finally live that easy life that we've always dreamed of then they come home again because kids today are like boomerangs. You, you throw them and it's like, oh God, they're coming back again. And you're like, if we could finally get them out of the house for the second time and get them a job and get them stable and get them in a place and get them productive, then maybe we could live life easy. But about that time, your parents have aged to where they need you now. You see that? goal of living life easy and having the easy life it is built on this monster of more if I could have more time, more money, more influence, if I could just have more, then life would finally be easy but more is a monster that will never be satisfied and if you keep looking ahead in life, saying that I'm trying to set myself up for the next stage so that I can live life easy, you will invariably miss out on what God is doing right now in your life, how he wants you to make a difference right now. See, I think the way that Jesus ends this parable is frightening. I want you to see it. Look at what he says in Luke 12, beginning around verse 17. Jesus continued. So God said to him, the rich man, you fool. Let's just stop there. I don't ever want God to call me a fool. All right. That's a bad category to be in for God, for me. Right. You don't want to be in that. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. For this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. I want you to understand something. It's more will never be enough as long as more is for you. More will never be enough as long as the more in your life is for you. 
More time will never be enough if time is only to be devoted to what you want to do with your life. More money will never be enough if all you want to do with your money is spend it on yourself. More will never be enough if more is always about you. So what I want to do in the message today is I want to give you some horrible advice on how to become dissatisfied. Now, for those of y'all who haven't been here for the last few weeks, we're going to play a little bit of an opposite game for the next few minutes. That means that as your pastor, I'm going to give you horrible advice so that you can sit back and go, oh, I've been living that way. Because as a pastor, when I share the horrible advice, I know that some of you, when you see the inverse of what I really should be saying and giving you the good advice, that you're actually going to go, I'm, I'm doing that. Because our culture is giving us horrible advice. And far too many of us are taking it. So today I want to show you how to be dissatisfied. The first thing that you need to do if you want to be dissatisfied is you need to focus on being ungrateful. Focus on being ungrateful. See, the Bible gives us good advice. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 17, the Bible tells us exactly what God's will is for us in every moment. Look at what it says. Rejoice always, pray continuously, and give thanks when? In all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, that's good advice. But if you want some horrible advice on how to be dissatisfied, focus on on being grateful. What does the Bible say? Rejoice always? No, don't rejoice always. Gripe always. You can always find a reason to gripe, can't you? You can always find something that's wrong or something that's a little bit out of order, something that you can point out. If you're not good at it, let me help you. (laughs) All right? Resent God's goodness to others. Resent the goodness of God to other people. Be jealous, be critical, be envious. And when it comes to envy, be envious of everything. Be envious of their car. Be envious of the raise that they get that you think you should get. Be envious of their marriage. Be envious of the attention that your friends give them or that they receive on social media. Be Envious of their clothes. Let it be to the nth minute detail. Be envious. And while you're resenting the goodness of God to others, ignore the goodness of God to yourself. Ignore the goodness of God to yourself. When it comes to being grateful, never be grateful. Don't be grateful for anything. As a matter of fact, Don't be grateful for where you live. Let me just say this because we live in Stanley County. Always complain that Albemarle doesn't have a Starbucks. Just complain about that. Just complain. Elevate that. All right? Don't let your attention shift and realize that you live in a smaller community which allows you to be known and valued in a way that you would never receive anywhere else. Don't be thankful for your health or your friends, or the blessings that you have in your life, like the fact that you can walk out of here and get into a reliable car and drive at 55 or 60 miles an hour down the road 
to get somewhere where just centuries ago you would have walked and it would have been a day's journey. Don't be thankful for that closet full of clothes. Don't be thankful that unlike many people in the world, you can probably walk and go into a kitchen and grab something to eat at any moment. Don't be grateful at all. And if you don't want to be satisfied, number two, compare what you have to people who have more. Compare what you have to people who have more. The good advice of Scripture comes out of 2 Corinthians 10, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church in Corinth, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. For when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. See, that's good advice. But if you want some horrible advice, compare what you have to those who have more. Let me just give you some advice. If you really love your house, you love where you live, go home today. And for the next several days, binge watch some HGTV. Just binge watch it. Watch it all the time. And after a couple days, you'll be looking around your house going, we don't have hardwood floors on the ceiling. This house is trash. What is wrong with us? Compare everything. Compare salaries and compare marriages. And especially if you get to go over to somebody's house and visit with them, compare everything you own to stuff that they own. Even washing machines. Right. You ever been to somebody's house and you're like, God, they have a washer. It's so nice. You could put it in the living room. It's gorgeous. Ours is so ugly we have to hide it. We have to tuck it. We put like laundry in front of it so you don't see the hideous. There's loads from the front. Ours loads from the top. And it's bent and it wobbles and it makes a noise. They're so silent. Compare everything. Compare your bodies. Compare your bodies to other people. Especially compare your bodies to those that are on the covers of magazines that have been airbrushed and photoshopped. If you're a lady in here, compare um, your upper half to somebody who has spent your equivalent of retirement on herself. Compare your body to somebody else. Compare how many followers you have and how many likes you get on social media. Here's the test. Put the exact same scripture as somebody else right when they post it and see who gets the most likes. Just run that test one time. And if they get more, then hate them for it. Constantly compare yourself to people who have more. If you want to be dissatisfied, the third thing that you need to do is pursue temporary possessions over eternal treasures. Pursue temporary possessions over eternal treasures. The good advice from the Bible comes out of Luke 12, verse 15, where Jesus said, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of, of his possessions. Life doesn't exist in the abundance of possessions. 
See, that's good advice, but we want you to get some horrible advice today. So value the temporary possessions over eternal treasures. Don't settle for eternal blessings. Don't settle for that. If you don't get an immediate gratification out of a transaction, don't make it. Don't give unless you get. As a matter of fact, y'all think of this. Give up what really matters most for what you want right now. Give up what really matters the most for what you really want right now. Think short-term and focus on this moment because more is better, newer is better, bigger is better, and right now is all that matters. And the fourth thing that you need to do if you want to be dissatisfied is develop an attitude of entitlement. Develop an attitude of entitlement. You know, the Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. What that means is that we all, because we have all sinned, we all deserve death. That's what you deserve. But let's just be honest. That's depressing, right? That's a really sad, depressing truth. Let's ignore that, all right? Let's ignore that truth, and let's focus on what the world owes you, all right? Because here's the truth. You've had a rough life, right? And you're born in America in a hospital and probably raised with parents that love you and cared about you and fed you and all that stuff, but it's been rough. It's been rough along the way. And you've worked so hard. You've worked so hard. You, were, you worked for your whole life. You've worked so hard. You deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve that thing you want. The new phone, right? The new car, a new house. You deserve it because you've had such a rough life and you've worked so hard. You deserve it. Maybe you just deserve to indulge. You had a rough day. You deserve to go home and drink that bottle of wine. Every drop, right? Or if you're me, you're going to go home and drink or eat a, a whole half gallon of ice cream maybe, right? You deserve it. You had a bad day. As a matter of fact, when it comes to what you deserve, you deserve more, you deserve better because life is all about you. Now I'm going to quit the horrible advice because I want you to see something that connects to what we just talked about. That our, our lives are saying something about us. The way that we live is saying something about us. And here's a truth as, as we get ready to talk about this. I want you to see this is that how we live reveals what we believe. So if I were to sit back and to examine your life, I will be able to practically understand what you believe which to many of us is problematic because if you sat back and observed my life, you would see things that contradict what I would want you to believe. Because in my heart, I want to say this is what I believe, but my life doesn't reflect it. So your life reflects what you actually do believe. 
So think about the bad advice that we just went through. Number one, focus on being ungrateful. I mean, we are remarkably ungrateful, even though we are tremendously blessed. Tremendously blessed. The the honest truth is that most everybody in here would rank in the top 0.5% of the world's wealth. I mean, it's, it's said that if you own a car, just owning a car will put you in the top 1%. We are blessed and ungrateful. Number two, compare what you have to people who have more. Now, this is a hard truth, but it's true. And if you want to be honest with yourself, be honest with yourself about this right now, that we constantly are navigating our lives through comparison instead of through obedience. Most of the decisions that we make come because we saw somebody else do it and now we want to do it. Did you know they went on that vacation to Cancun last year? They took all their kids with them and they had a swim-up bar. It looked so fun on Facebook. We got to do that next year. Oh, did you see they're, build, they're building a new addition on their house? They're building a, a garage outside of their garage. It's insane. They already got a two-car garage. They're building another garage. We need that. We don't have enough space for our stuff. We can build a garage and put more stuff in there. Do you see that, that we navigate instead of going to God and saying, God, what do you want me to do? How can I be obedient? How can I follow you? God, it is all about your will being manifested in my life. Number three, that we pursue temporary possessions over eternal treasures. I think that we need to be honest that we are infatuated with stuff and not with Jesus. I love Thanksgiving. I love thing. I love that there is a moment in our year that culturally we stop to say, this is what I'm thankful for. But do you all realize how stupid it is that all of you will lose your mind over stupid stuff the next day on Black Friday? Do you realize how absurd that is? That you'll get into fistfights over a doll the next day after Thanksgiving. I mean, you just spent, you ate Turkey and said, this is what I'm thankful for. And then you're fighting over a doll and it's stupid. We're infatuated with stuff. And lastly, develop an attitude of entitlement. Now, when we drop that word entitlement, so many of you check out and go, that's not me. I'm not entitled. But we're all remarkably entitled. We are all Entitled. So many of you will walk out of here and get into a car that you will complain about in the next week. God, I wish this thing got better gas mileage. Man, it's cold outside. I wish I had remote start. I could start that thing up and not have to scrape the windshields off. I wish I had a heated seat. Man, I rode in my friend's car and they had a heated seat and my butt was warm the whole time. <laughs> I mean, we do that. We do that. You will go home today to a climate-controlled house where you can choose the degree that you want your house to be on inside of your house and you can set it and you will argue amongst yourselves which degree it should be set on. 
No, we're going to set it on 68 because it's cheaper that way. No, I want it on 72. It's cold outside. No, we're going to set it on And you fight over. It's the climate. You have climate-controlled air conditioning in your house. And you're fighting over which degree it's kept. Some of y'all are going to go home today and try to take a nap. And you're going to get on some Netflix. And in the middle of watching your program on Netflix, it's going to buffer. And you're all smiling because you know what I'm about to say. You're watching a movie that is being beamed to you from a satellite on through the internet running around the world to you and you get upset because it buffers for a moment. And you say this, our Wi-Fi sucks. (laughs) Some of y'all, tomorrow morning, We'll go into a closet that is filled with clothes, touch everything in your closet, walk out, and say to your spouse, I have nothing to wear. (laughs) Nothing to wear. We are so entitled. What are our lives saying about us? And here's, I want this to hurt because it should. Here's what our lives are saying about us, to what Jesus has to offer is not as good as what the world has to offer. I think that if people were to view our lives from a distance, that this is what they would see. And here's what I want to do over the next few moments as we wrap this up. I want to reclaim gratitude. I just want to take it back. I'm tired of us not living this way because here's the truth about gratitude. Most of us are dissatisfied because our eyes are fixed on the world and not on Jesus. Our eyes are fixed on our stuff and on our possessions and on our status and they are not fixed on Jesus. See, when we choose to be grateful for what we have, it changes the game. As a matter of fact, in your notes, it says this, gratitude turns what we have into enough. It turns what we have into enough. You see, I think that a lot of times we like to think that happy people are grateful people, but it's not that way. It's grateful people who experience the joy of the Lord and live happy lives. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 3 gives us a perspective to help us understand what it means to live with gratitude. The Apostle Paul, who was a revered, respected, and honored teacher and theologian in his day, who comes to grips with this Jesus, gives his life to this Jesus, lays aside all of the respect and prestige that he has. He said this, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Just feel the weight of, I have lost all things. I now consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. The word that's translated into garbage is the Greek word skubalon. 
It's a word that actually described human excrement. It really was a vulgar word in his day. And it could actually be translated into another word that starts with S that you may use. I'm not going to say I use it, but you may, right? That describes human excrement. See, the Apostle Paul says, if I were to compare everything that I have gained in life to who Jesus is in my life now, writing from a prison cell, being held to go on trial. He says, I count it all as dung compared to knowing Jesus. You see, when I first became a believer and I faced a difficult moment in life, I would tell myself in the back of my heart, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. You can keep your head up. You can have faith. You can have hope because Jesus is enough. But I've come to understand that Jesus is not enough. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. And so many of us were living lives that say that he's not. But he is more than enough. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.